Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the universe, the great mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Betty Fowler. She's a feng shui consultant and a certified interior redesigner. She's been helping people transform their lives by improving the energy flow in their homes and workspaces for almost 12 years. Betty is trained in essential feng shui by internationally recognized feng shui expert Tara Catherine Collins at the Western School of Feng Shui. Betty's passion began in 1999 while living in Northern California when she read an article in the San Francisco Chronicle about how people could reduce clutter and stress in their lives. The topic was on feng shui. Through her life situations and those of her clients, Betty has repeatedly proven that when you change your home environment, you will experience a renewed vitality and energy that brings new opportunities to your door and creates positive change in your life. Welcome, Betty. Thank you for having me, Vanessa. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you here on the show. And um, I'm curious how you got interested in the art of feng shui. Well, it happened when I had two children, both elementary school age. My husband was a career police officer who was also a sniper on the SWAT team. And I was the head fitness instructor for the police and fire academies in Northern California. So needless to say, we had a lot of stress in our lives, a lot of high energy, and I was stressing out at home because we only lived in in California. We had a 1,200-square-foot home, and I used to just stress out because everything needed to be done. I didn't have things in its place, you know, laundry needing to be done. We were running around with totally different hours. And I was just looking through a magazine or through the San Francisco Chronicle, and the first thing that hit me was, you know, de-stress and declutter, and that just caught my eye because I just wanted to have more time to breathe. Well, and I think having time to breathe is something that a lot of people can relate to. Oh, I bet. (laughs) So how did you then start this journey of learning about feng shui and becoming certified to help other people do that? Well, after I read the... uh the article, I just got curious and I started pulling out books when I'd go to the bookstore or the library. But what really triggered it, I think, I was getting interested in it, but about, I would say, it was two years after I first read that article that my husband actually came home one day and we found out he'd developed post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. He'd been in law enforcement for 25 years and I guess just everything started building up and he'd had one too many children's murders. And he just he just fell apart. And I was at a loss. I didn't know what to do. And here I taught wellness management at the academy. So I just sort of jumped in full force. I said, okay, if I can declutter and de-stress our lives, let's do it with the house. So I just went through and I started pulling, based on the feng shui principles I was reading, I was pulling things that had a trigger to us. Like, say, looking at the laundry not being done. Anything that you look around in your home that sort of gives you that little hit of either negative negativity, um, stress, depression, I started just pulling things out, and that meant decluttering a whole lot, a lot of clutter in the corners. I just started cleaning out and clearing out, and I realized that once we started doing that, 
I felt lighter. I started breathing a little bit deeper, like we were just talking about. It gives you a chance to breathe. And what I learned through the feng shui was that the stagnant energy collects in corners. It collects where things are sitting for a long time. And you can actually, over time, be able to feel that stickiness. And once we started clearing that, I felt like it was also giving Wes a chance to breathe. So when he came home from, I'd send him out on errands just to get him out of the house, he could actually look in different areas, and there wasn't a trigger there. There wasn't, like, unfinished projects. There wasn't anything sitting there that sort of brought his energy down. And then I started replacing that, and I started actually bringing things that he loved, that we loved, and pretty much pared things down. And that was the beginning of it. Well, I know at that time your kids were still at home. So how was that as far as getting your family on board with... I mean, it's one thing to do it initially, but then it's an, a whole nother step to get everybody to agree to, to keep this as a constant right. way of living. Right. Well, I think they saw how dad was suffering. He was just hit a, a very deep depression, and his energy had been... If you've never been around somebody with severe depression, it's almost like you're seeing their life energy sucked out of them and drained out. And so they wanted to help. They wanted to find out what they could help with. And so I said, we just keep everything happy in the house keep the arguments down, which, you know, that tended to be a really a really focus point for them, that they just wanted Dad to get better. So they were open to doing anything they want. And if that meant keeping the house clean, keeping their bedroom straightened out, keeping happy things around them, they were actually jumping in faster than I was. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. And how, how soon did you start seeing some effect from you know, doing this, this work with the feng shui in your house? Well, I noticed it within the first few days. Because when I would come home and I would see things, I need to get this done, I need to get this done, I need to get this done. When I came home and I saw that things were in their place, it just started feeling better for me. My energy level went up and my calmness you know, went to the point where I could help him. Before that, I was too stressed out because I was running around thinking that I was the mother bear now and I had to handle everything. Well, one of the things I didn't have to worry about was that our home was welcoming when we came home. And when he was sitting in his chair, when he was calmed down, I noticed his energy started picking up. One of the biggest things that they don't mention a lot in the feng shui manuals, but one of the things I noticed was that we stopped watching the news. We stopped bringing that negative energy in from the media and especially at nighttime, we would take that, that last hour before we went to bed. Everybody would. And we would either read, we would listen to music. We would take it to, we'd take it down about four notches from what we used to do because we'd come home and, you know, I don't know if you do this, but most of the time, 10 o'clock news goes on and you just sort of get lulled into watching what's going on. Well, the part of what was going on was actually making it worse for Wes because it would start triggering memories of things, especially when you look at the news, 95% of it is negative. Right. So it, it was almost immediate. I noticed immediately that we were all sleeping better because we had that slowdown period before we went to bed. And then when we woke up in the morning, that TV did not get turned on. So everything started nice and relaxed in the morning and everything ended nice and relaxed at night. And it was, I would say, within just a few days, I started noticing our sleeping patterns were better. Wow. So how does your spirituality find expression in your art? Well, there's always a spiritual kernel in feng shui that has been, and for, for those of you that, um, that are listening that may not know about feng shui, it is thousands of years old. And it was based on how we relate 
to the physical environment around us, how it can support us, or how it may actually be detracting from our lives. And I've always had, you know, I was raised Catholic, and I've always had that spiritual aspect in me. It's just that I started talking to my angels more. I started, you know, because of what we were going through, I was reaching out to the universe, God, and I use it, you know, interchangeably. But I was just asking for help in any way I can. And what I've learned through this is that we have the answers brought to us inside internally. We just sometimes have too much static going around us that we don't stop and listen to it. And that's right. You take a breath and you actually get calm and you can hear that inner voice, that higher self being guided to making those decisions. And I've learned to be calmer. I've learned to quiet down and listen. And so when I do my feng shui, I've learned that that is where I'm getting my intuition from. That is where I'm getting my my inspiration when I work with my clients is just trusting that you have that, that support around you and to tap into it because it's there to help us. So how did you take the step from you know, in implementing feng shui into your own family home and your own family life to then deciding that you wanted to do that for other people? Well, once I started seeing it really working, I mean, we were even getting down to the thing about closing the toilet seats, closing the bathroom doors so you don't have that vortex of energy draining away your finances. When I started seeing it work, and people would come over and visit us, and they could see a shift in the energy in our home and a shift in us that we were calmer. We were, for what we were especially going through, we were less stressed. They wanted to know more about it. So I started reading a little bit more on how I could help them, and I started having my friends asking me, well, can you come over and you know, sort of help me see what's going on with ours? Because I would like to have that calmness and that, that relaxation that at least you have now especially being able to sleep better. So it sort of segued over to more of helping friends. And then once I started seeing it was really taking off in that area, I kept thinking, well, you know, I should learn more about it. Maybe I could actually do this as a career. And then that's when I started taking my classes and my certifications. And I actually started Googling more of the, um, the schools through the books I was reading. And that's how I found out about Tara Catherine Collins, because her books were the ones that I was drawn to. So how long was the certification process for you? Well, the first certification I got was as an interior redesigner, and it actually is a feng shui interior redesigner. I had found out about the um, School of Graceful Lifestyles. They both were intensive one-week trainings, and we had projects to do and a lot of evaluations of ourselves. And our, they even asked about our spirituality before we went to the class, and it was a one-week intensive for that one. And then a couple of years later, I wanted to to delve in a little bit more about feng shui specifically, and that's when I took Tara, Tara's class, and that was another one one week of full intense, but then we also had job assignments to do on our own homes and for other people so that we actually had a practicum after we completed the course assignments to be able to you know come out, and we've actually had practice to do that. So it was, you know, I did them a couple of years apart, so I had time to absorb it. But each one of them was an intense full week of actual in-classroom study and then before and after practices with that, with that information. So when you get ready to um, work with a client to help them, you know, to make recommendations of how they might feng shui their home or their office, do you have any kind of process that you use to connect into your creative flow or your divine flow to 
to get tapped in to, to work most effectively with them? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I usually ask people is if there's an issue that they're not happy with in their lives, because a lot of times if somebody is happy and everything's going right, chances are their house is already feng shui because the energy flow is going well in their lives. Usually people will approach me after they hear what I'm doing because there's an area in life either with relationships or with their health or with their career, with their finances, that maybe they're not really as happy with. And usually that's a trigger for me that that might be an area to address in their home. So when we start talking, it's usually somebody will ask me. I don't, you know, go out and solicit, well, do you want a feng shui consultation? It's usually there's a need there. And we do a little bit of a chat, either over the phone or in person, and I'm asking them specific questions. And then they also fill out an evaluation so that we're actually finding out specifically what areas they're challenged with. And it guides me through there. And once I hear triggers, and usually... Feng shui can be considered literal because if somebody is telling me that they're drowning in debt, well, right there, that's giving me an idea. Okay, there's a specific area in their home that is representative of wealth and prosperity. And the first thing, okay, if they're drowning or if they're overwhelmed, chances are there may be clutter in that area. So I sort of tap into the words that they're saying. I'm listening to sort of phrases, clues, and then I start pursuing a little bit more of the questionnaire. And then that's usually where I can feel if it's going to be a fit, if they're willing to make the changes, if they're willing to to look and address the clutter, then we sort of have that little bit of a, a connection there. And then we sort of go from there with questions. They'll send the evaluation to me, and I will go through. And, again, it's that quieting down, reading, listening for my intuition to kick in. And I start making notations where I'm, I'm seeing, you know, little hits of intuition about the way they're wording something or that, you know, they're looking at chances are if their wealth and prosperity is having issues. It also guides me to possibly their career may also be affecting that, too. So it's sort of like I, I'm guided by the wording they're using and how we're connecting. So do you have to um, physically go to their house and, and see what's going on, or do you can you work remotely with clients as well? I've just started working remotely. I usually, because most of my clients have been local, I actually will go to the house. And sometimes it can take up to two and a half to three hours to walk through. Mm-hmm. I'm now beginning to do Skyping and through emails. I, so people can carry their laptop exa- around and, exactly. and look, look at this corner. Exactly. What ideally I'd like to see the bird's eye view, their floor plan. So I right. can see there's, we have a bagua, which is one of the tools we use. And it's like if you can imagine a tic-tac-toe board and all of these little squares that are broken down on their, their floor plan represent different areas of their lives. And they're called like the eight treasures of life in, in Chinese. And, I have to sort of get a feel of it. And if they can even give me a rough draft, I can see because there may be some missing areas. They may not even have the relationship area in their home. It may be outside of their home, and that's what we address. But with the Skype, that was one of the things um, that somebody had recommended to me. So, yeah, they can just carry her around. Um, And we do it also through emails and through phone conversations. But I am a visual person, so when I can see something, and I can see maybe something hanging on their wall because art is a huge, art is a huge um, trigger for some people. They may not realize they, you know, that what they're looking at constantly can be, you know, holding something in in their energy. 
And so if I can see it, and especially if I see in their relationship corner of their bedroom that they have a picture of a single person there looking over a cliff lonely, <laughs> you know, that may not be the best piece of art to have in a relationship area where you're focusing on couples. So it is a visual for me. It's a visual. But then I also, you know, I'm I'm sitting back listening as we're talking, going through, walking through that area, what they're saying when I'm looking at the artwork. So what are a couple of things that that you can suggest to people that are kind of overall principles for their home that they could incorporate? Well, one big one is looking at the entrance to your front door into your home because that is what we consider the mouth of the chi or the life energy coming into your home. And if you have it covered with debris, like now in the, in the fall, we have the leaves falling, we have branches falling. If that's covered with debris the chi isn't going to be able to find you very well. And you want to have it welcoming. I always recommend make sure you have a beautiful welcome mat. If it's not colorful, at least have the word welcome on it. Make sure it's good in, in good repair. Make sure that your front door doesn't squeak when it opens. Make sure the doorbell is working so that somebody can at least you know be able to contact you. And make sure that your numbers are visible from the street so that you're saying, hey, we're here. Here, bring the opportunity in. The next thing, when you go into your foyer or the entryway, make sure that you don't have empty boxes sitting there, laundry to be put away, shoes strewn across. Make sure it's open, it's inviting. When you come in, pretend even when you walk in your front door that you're a guest. And what is the impression your guests would have coming in. A lot of us don't use that front door because we come in through the garage mm-hmm. because we tend to make our, our homes, you know, the, the focal point of our entrance is our cars. So I recommend if it's even just to go out and get your mail at least a few times a week, come in and out through that front door and see what everyone else sees. And then the other point I would mention is the next most important thing is in your bedroom. If your bedroom does not um, promote rest, rejuvenation and reconnection, then you need to reconsider what is in there. Your bedroom is not meant to be entertainment central for the TV, for the for the uh, games, for the video games. If you do have a television in there, I recommend that if it's not in an enclosed cabinet, that at least you cover it at night so that this big black eye is not staring at you, drawing you in. Electric, our electronics are a big part of our society right now. They're very high energy, and they tend to just pull you in. And in the bedroom, you want it to be welcoming you into bed to sleep and to recuperate. The more high-energy items you have in the room, and even considering a work desk with a computer, the more it's going to disrupt a good night's sleep. So cover it up. If it has to be in there, ideally, take it out. Well, and I remember, too, you telling me um, previously that having big mirrors in your bedroom can be disruptive, and so even just covering those up can can be helpful. It is, and it's so funny because whenever I go anywhere for a conference and I have roommates, and they always just laugh because they're so used to me draping the towels over the the mirrors and all of that. A mirror is a, a large, um, like we say, high energy or yang, yeah, like yin yang, yang energy because it reflects anything that it's around. And most of the time, we do not sleep in very dark rooms. Mm-hmm. So 
even a little bit of, of light coming from a window or coming from a, a door is going to reflect it. And that reflection, if you get up in the middle of the night and you have that reflection, it does disturb your sleep. It is more energy, especially if it is facing the bed where you're sleeping. So a lot of like the, um, the Chester drawers have those mirrors in there. I recommend that they get draped out overnight. They don't have to be taken out. And mirrored wardrobe doors. We used to have a whole... Um, closet of mirrored wardrobe doors in our house in California, and that was one of the things I changed, is we had the window across from where the mirrored wardrobe doors were. I was sleeping right next to the, the doors, and we had we were in the front of the house, and the light from the uh, street lamp would even reflect in there, and I didn't realize that it was actually that bright until I covered <laughs> them. And within, I was saying, within two days, I was sleeping through the night when I hadn't been for eight years. Wow. So the mirrors make a big difference in, in reducing that energy when you sleep at night. Well, and one of my good friends, her dad has had some health problems this this year, and one of the things that she told me is that, especially with the medication and stuff, that it was making him kind of confused, and he was um, thinking people were coming into the house at night. And so one of the things they did is they took the big mirror that was in the bedroom down, and he immediately calm down. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, that really is a feng shui principle that you're not supposed to have a big mirror in the bedroom anyway. It is. And one of the other things when you, um, for mentioning that is they have been finding, too, that um, people with Alzheimer's, to keep them from wandering out of the door, they recommend you actually put a black, which represents water, put a black, um, like a, a rug right in front of the door, like say at the entrance before you go out the door, if you use that little place as an area to put an area rug and have it dark, like a black or navy blue, the mind actually can see it as a barrier. Oh, wow. And so a lot of times that they're even doing that that with um, with people with Alzheimer's is that you put up that dark barrier there, it's not an open space to walk towards the door. It will, it can tend to stop them right there from going out the door. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Betty, I'm curious how your art has affected your spiritual evolution or how your spiritual evolution has affected your art. Oh, I think the feng shui has really brought me more in tune with my spirituality because it's starting with the faith. And without faith, you really don't have that mindset that the future is going to be good. And I think my spirituality just, you know, increased twofold just from working with the feng shui. And because of that, I've turned that spirituality back in when I work with my clients. And I can't do my feng shui without that, that strength in my spirituality and that the, uh, calling on the universe for their energy. And I have also noticed that it connects me with my clients where I don't, I don't talk about religion because it isn't about a specific religion. It's about your physical space and energy in the space. It's like quantum physics based. But we start connecting on that, and it is interesting because we don't start with the religion, we don't start with the spirituality, but by the end of it, we're all connected, and we all start talking about it, especially when the section that has helpful people, you know, if if there's an area there that you want to draw mentors or people or um, deities into your life to give you that strength and that support and that synchronicity, invariably... We start turning to that, and a lot of people start talking about, well, can I put pictures of angels up there? Can I put a picture of Christ? Is that a good place to put it? Or Buddha? And it's sort of, once you get to that, that life force energy, it's everywhere, regardless of 
what you're following, what your, you know, your spiritual or your religious um, feelings are, it all gets pulled out and we all sort of connect on that same level. And when I first started the feng shui, it was all straight business. You know, it was the specifics of just the physical changes in the environment. But that has really changed the way I look at it and the way I connect with my clients now. Well, and I know that that you, uh, because of your personal experience with Wes, with your husband Wes and the, the PTSD, that you've done some work with people that are recovering from PTSD, as well as I know you've recently done um, some workshops and stuff for people that are going through divorce. So I'm just curious how you feel like um, these principles of feng shui can help people that are really struggling in, in really difficult times in their life. Well, I, I understand now from working with everyone when you were mentioning about the divorce and healing through the divorce is we have to heal mind, body, spirit. But we also have that because of our physical bodies, we are in a physical environment. And if our physical environment is toxic to us, all the amount of change we're trying to do physically and mentally is not being supported. And what I'm finding now, and that's what I'm really enjoying, is my goal is to be able to help people see that if they can clean up their environment and make it something that they love being around, it will support whatever changes they want to make in their lives. And my goal down the line is to be able to work with uh, military families, especially the wives, because in our society, it's usually the, the wives and the, um, the women that are the ones that are responsible for maintaining the house and decorating the house. But if we can change that, um, that environment and to make it more of what we really love that supports and surrounds us rather than what is being advertised out there by the manufacturers and by the designers. I, I'm not slamming the designers, but they're giving us ideas. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have a home that is strictly the way it's supposed to look. So you're, you're there, but there's nothing of you in there. And if we can start guiding our environments to support us, we're going to be able to heal faster. And I do believe that. And I do believe that my husband recovered quicker because the environment he was around was supporting that health and that healing instead of giving him those triggers that sort of holds things in place. Well, and I, um, I, I think it's interesting that your husband, Wes, now has moved into a very creative <laughs> space uh, for himself, too. I mean, your whole family has kind of transitioned from, from you know, this very structured, very stressful to being a much more creative flow. Well, that's uh, what is sort of interesting is I, I told Wes, I know there's a book in this somewhere. <laughs> And what I look at, um, because he, you know, he was in law enforcement, that was his full life belief that since he was three, that was what he was supposed to do. And because he wanted to help people. And I say, you know, you're the, the warrior turned healer. Because now in his, his sideline, he'd always enjoyed. The yin and yang again. Mm-hmm, exactly. And he'd always been doing upholstery. But since, you know, we moved from California to Georgia, and that was our choice is to make a, we wanted to make a clean change in the physical environment, which I think helped a lot too. But he actually got involved with learning Reiki, which is an energy healing mm-hmm. um experience for him and he's learning qigong which is another um chinese healing modality and it's so interesting because it is he's going from a a major yang environment masculine hardcore strong then he has that break that little wall because it wasn't balanced 
and now he's getting to know, like we tease him, I say, that's the feminine side you're working with now. But it's a combination. And if you don't work with both, I think that's the problem we're having with a lot of the military coming back is because they've been in such an intense war, young environment that they've had to shut off a lot of their emotions because that was a survival mode, which is Mm -hmm. just like in the police. So it's sort of like it's going to be tough. And I think we're going to see a lot of the problems with post-traumatic stress coming here. And the more we can help them balance it out and have them understand that it's okay to have that, that, that empathy and that, the compassion, because they have to start with the compassion for themselves first. Right. And it is that balance that's needed. I think having compassion for ourselves, we all could use a little more of that, I think. I, I agree. <laughs> so, Betty, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. Well, I do have a blog that I started, and actually you sort of helped me out with that I one. I did, and it was With fun. the name, it's called feelgoodinyourspace.com. And then um, Wes and I also have our business, Fowler Interiors and Upholstery. I'm the interiors. He's the upholstery. And um, you can contact me either through the blog or through our website, which is interiors and A-N-D, upholstery, U-P-H-O-L-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. Excellent. Well, Betty, thank you so much for being on the show. It's amazing that we're already... Our time party up. So <laughs> well, thank, thank you. you so much for having me. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of Art as Worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Art as Worship. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste.